Amen. Maybe she. Our scripture passage tonight is 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 through 11. It can be found in your pew Bible on page 1892. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 through 11. Pew Bible page 1892. Here now the reading of God's holy, inspired, and infallible word. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. C.S. Lewis wrote a number of books, um, some of which I've read, some of which I have not read, um, but I'm familiar with um, most of them. Um, Most of you probably know the Chronicles of Narnia, uh, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Uh, These are C.S. Lewis's sort of popular uh, fantasy books, fairy tale-esque books, but he also wrote a number of uh, other theological books, Mere Christianity. Um, uh, the Great Divorce. Um, and one of the books that he wrote was called uh, The Screw Tape Letters. Um, now, my sons had to read this in school, and so um, they've read it. I have not. But I know the premise of this book. The premise of this book is an older demon named Screw Tape writing to uh, his young nephew, Wormwood. And in these letters, Screwtape is describing to Wormwood the way in which you take a young man um, and you tempt him and you cause him to sin, you cause him to fall away from the faith, um, all the schemes and mechanisms of, of, of the devils, all the schemes and mechanisms of demon, all the schemes and mechanisms of uh, Spiritual warfare from the enemy's perspective, right? So um, not too long ago, I recommended to you all to read Precious Remedies Against Satan's Devices um, by uh, Thomas Brooks. Well, um, this, C.S. Lewis wrote Screwtape Letters in a um, fictional way to do the exact same thing. To give us a peek into um, the mind of Satan and how he operates, Right? Um, and there's a number of lessons that we can learn from this book. Uh, there's a number of lessons that we can learn from, from uh, figuring out the way our enemy thinks, the way our enemy operates. Um, and there's a number of quotations that I could pull from tonight um, in our conversation about uh, spiritual warfare that Peter mentions here in our passage. Um, but one of them that I'd like to, um, to quote is this, this particular passage that I found. Now, this is screw tape right into Wormwood. And he says this, 
And how disastrous for us is the continual remembrance of death, which war enforces. One of our best weapons, contented worldliness, is rendered useless. In wartime, not even a human can believe that he is going to live forever. Now, Screwtape is right in this wormwood, uh, most likely in a historical time that C.S. Lewis was alive, World War II. So, um, he's saying, in war times, the, the, one of, the, one of the, uh, the best weapons that we have, contented worldliness, is taken away because everybody is faced with their mortality. Well, what I'd like us to understand is um, all times are war times for Christians. Christians are living a battle. The Christian life is a battle. Um, it's, it is warfare. Um, and it is so true that when you have um, uh, historical moments of great persecution and hardship, you have songs written like uh, A Mighty Fortress is Our God by Martin Luther. And maybe many of you don't have sung that so many times but have not realized that really what Mighty Fortresses are God is about is a spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare psalm, a hymn, it's a war hymn. It's a war psalm. And so we need to get it under our heads um, that we need to be intact in touch with our mortality. We need to be in touch with the reality that we are always at war. So, our theme tonight Christian life is a battle with a promise to victory. A Christian life is a battle with a promise to victory. The Christian life is a battle with a promise to victory. Okay? And so this is, uh, this is what Peter's teaching us tonight. Point one, your enemy's plan. Point number two, your battle plan. And then point number three, your promised victory. So let's look at this first point, your enemy's plan. Peter said a lot in this letter, 1 Peter, and he's uh, beginning to wrap things up, okay? And, uh, and one of the last things that he decides to touch on is this reality that um, we are in, in uh, a battle over our souls. Um, and so he says in verse 8, um, giving instruction, be self-controlled and alert. Now these are things that we're going to talk about more when we look at your battle plan, all right? Um, because these are attitudes that go hand in hand uh, with the, the way that we are supposed to live as Christians, understanding that uh, the Christian life is a battle. Uh, but this is what Peter does. He describes to us our enemy. Um, and this is what he says about our enemy. He is the devil. He operates like this. Prowls around. 
like a lion. A roaring lion. Looking for someone to devour. This is an image uh, that Peter gives of Satan uh, that is meant to be understood in line with all other images of Satan, the devil, that we're uh, given. Um, Paul says also uh, that he masquerades as an angel of light. That means that his attacks um, can often be more subtle and more disguised as good. It's, It's good with a tinge of poison. Um, You see what I'm saying? Um, And so, uh, he doesn't always present himself like a roaring lion seeking to to whomever he may devour. Um, He presents himself as a kitty cat. And it would be okay just to pet the kitty cat a little bit. But really, he's a roaring lion waiting to devour you, okay? Um, So this is uh, something we have to understand about our enemy. Uh, This is what he's doing. He is um, seeking to attack at all times the Christian. He's seeking to come at the Christian to undermine your faith, my faith, um, to get us to um, uh, have doubts, to get us to fall and stumble into temptation and sin. Okay? This is what the enemy is doing. And the way that he's doing this is with a... um, a desire, a hunger, like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour, prowling around. You get the sense that, that what Peter is describing is like those safari movies that you watch, you know? And there are these animals out in, in the safari, and then the cameraman pans to the lion, prowling through the bush. And you get the suspense because you're like, these animals, they don't know this lion is right here. And before they even know, it's too late. The lion jumps out, attacks them, right? Because they had put their guard down. Because they forgot that they were uh, prey and that there's predators in the jungle. Peter's words probably became even more um, significant and meaningful when later in the uh, Roman Empire, Christians would be thrown into the Colosseum where lions chained um, in chains uh, were let out and they were fed to lions. The enemy, the devil, he is hunting. He's on the hunt. He's on the hunt, seeking to devour whomever he can devour, right? So if that's how our enemy operates, how are we to operate? Battle plan. All right, self-control. Alert. Be self-controlled. Be alert. If the devil is like a lion prowling around, seeking whom he can devour, then it's important that we be um, alert. 
to our surroundings. We be understanding uh, that the Christian life is a battle and that we have an enemy um, and that this enemy is seeking to, to trip us up. This enemy is seeking to trap us. This enemy is seeking to deceive us. This enemy is seeking to point us away from Christ and to point us to the things of this world. This enemy is seeking to do all these things, okay? And so we need to be alert, but we also need to be self-controlled. Um, self-control means that we, um, um, by God's grace, have become masters of our own desires. We do not think that we are animals. We do not think that we have to do whatever it is that we feel like. Now, can you imagine um, uh, a better description of our current day and age than a society that lacks self-control. Feelings are a truth to everybody now. The way you feel. And not only is, is the way you feel truth, but it, the way you feel has to be everyone else's truth. Their truth has to bend to the, your reality. You're the way you experience the world. Okay? Self-control means that we um, we have... Um, uh, we have... Um, Sovereignty over our own, um, not in the sense that God isn't sovereign, um, but we have self-government. Okay? Self-controlled means that when the enemy comes and attacks us, the enemy comes and seeks to tempt us, we don't function by our impulses. This is something that God is working in us by means of sanctification, okay? Self-control is actually one of the fruits of the Spirit that Paul speaks about. So we are meant to be this because the devil is a lion seeking someone to devour. But also, we're supposed to resist. Resist him. We're supposed to stand firm In the faith. We're supposed to stand firm in the faith. And we're supposed to gain encouragement. From others. So. Um, Resist the devil means that um, because of God's work in our lives, because in Jesus Christ, the tyranny of the devil has been taken away from us, because we are no longer slaves to sin, um, we can say no. We can say no. We can say, I do not have to do what it is that you're saying that I should do. I do not have to listen to the, to the flesh in me. I do not have to listen to the lust in me. I do not have to listen to the sinful impulses that are going on in my life. I have, by God's grace, a choice. And to believe that you don't have a choice, that you have to give in to whatever it is that you're feeling, that you have to give in to the sinful desire, is a lie of the devil. Peter says, in dependence upon God and his grace and his strength, resist the devil and stand firm in the faith. When Peter says, stand firm in the faith, um, he's not talking about uh, your faith. He's talking about the teaching um, 
the faith, as in quotation marks, the faith, once for all passed down to the saints. Um, the apostolic doctrine, the gospel. And Peter says, this is how you resist the devil. How do you resist the devil? You resist the devil the same way that Jesus resisted the devil. When the devil um, tempted Jesus in the wilderness, what did Jesus do? The, Satan said, hey, blah, 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 you should do this. And Jesus would say, that's not what God's word says. Satan would say, hey, I'll give you the kingdom if you just bow down. Jesus would say, that's not what God's word says. Hey, aren't you hungry? Why don't you turn these rocks into bread? That's not what God's word says. That was Jesus' response, wasn't it? That's not what God's word says. That's not what the Bible says. That's not what his scripture says. That is not what the faith says. So how do you resist the devil? You stand firm in the teaching of God's word. How are you able to discern the lies that the devil speaks to you, seeking to deceive you? It's just like um, I've talked about before with counterfeit money. The people who are trained to figure out what counterfeit money is, they don't look at fake counterfeit money. They look at the real thing so that when they see the fake thing, they'll know right away that's not the real deal. If you want to be able to be able to uh, interpret, if you want to be able to look through and you want to be able to penetrate the lies of the enemy, then you have to know the truth, like the back of your hand. It has to be written on your heart. It has to be on your mind constantly. So that when you hear a lie, your lie detector goes off. Stand firm in the faith. And the last thing it does, Peter says here about our battle plan, is that it includes, it includes encouragement from others. Listen to the last thing he says in verse 9. Because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Peter seems to say uh, and uh, imply that the kinds of fiery trials that his audience are going through, that the kind of uh, ostracizing that's happening to them culturally and societally because they've decided to become Christians, the kind of uh, suffering that they're experiencing, which I described for us as sort of a precursor to outright persecution that brings violence and that kind of thing, um, is a work of Satan. And one of the reasons Satan might do this is because um, as it takes more uh, cultural capital um, to be a Christian, as you begin to lose more privileges because you're deciding to be a Christian, uh, maybe you decide, mm, maybe this is not the thing for me. And Peter here seems to be saying, that's exactly what Satan wants you to think. You need to resist the devil, stand firm in the faith. You need to know you're not alone. You're not alone. You are not alone. The things that you are experiencing, the things that you're going through, you're not alone. And you're... Um, in your suffering right now. You're not alone in your battle against the enemy. 
You see, one of the biggest things the enemy wants us to do is that he wants us to feel alone. He wants us to feel isolated. He wants us to feel like we're the only one that's experiencing this. We're the only one that's going through this. We're the only one that struggles with this kind of sin. We're the only one that, that fill in the blank. And Peter, he crashes through all that. And he wants us to know that part of our battle plan is realizing that we're not alone in the battle. We're not a one-man army, a one-woman army. We are part of the people of God, and we are part of experiencing this suffering as the people of God, that we are in this together. And that should give us encouragement. That should give us strength. Then we have here the last point. Your promise to victory. Peter ends this... um, this section, before he turns to his, uh, his final greetings, uh, with a uh, doxology. Um, it might seem strange to uh, end this part here with a dox- doxology. No, I think I was right. But that's what he does. Um, and I think the reason why he does this is because he wants to uh, bring what he's been talking about, this battle uh, that, he's, that the Christian life is, uh, to its ultimate fruition. Uh, doxologies are often a way for us to get beyond this realm that we're stuck in right now, this physical realm, this time-bound realm, and to begin to glimpse the eternity that awaits us because we are the people of God. And that's often what doxologies or benedictions or, um, uh, that, that they do. They help us to, 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 to see beyond the here and now, okay? Um, and this is what he says in, in verses 10 and 11. He says, the God of all grace, the God of all grace who called you To his eternal glory in Christ. In Christ. After you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. So I want us to follow the the train of thought that Peter has here. First of all, he says that uh, your confidence, our confidence in this battle should be in the God of all grace. And this is what the God of all grace has done. He called us. This is an effective call. This is not a ring, ring, I'm going to call you on the phone and you don't have to answer. You might answer, you might not answer. This is an effective call of God, okay? Called you to his eternal glory in Christ Jesus. Peter here is effectively saying that your salvation is guaranteed. 
Even though you're in this battle called the Christian life, even though you have a great enemy called the devil, called Satan, the accuser of the brethren, even though this, this devil has many schemes and plots and, and, and devices to try to attack you and to try to come against you and to try to bring you down and try to take you away from Christ and to try to uh, rip you from your faith, even though all these things are happening, even though you're going through sufferings um, and hardships right now, there is a promised Victory. There's a promised end. There is a promised fruition that God is going to bring you home. God is going to bring you to the other side of this battle. You see, we might call this spiritual warfare, but in a very real sense, Christ won the war. We're just in the battle, okay? We're just in the battle. Um, and, and all of the rest of history from this point on, since Christ has ascended to sit at the right hand, is basically all of Christ's enemies being put under his feet, the last enemy of which is death. And he's using us, his body here on earth, to be a part of that. The God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you've suffered a little while, Peter's saying... I'm not saying that you aren't going to suffer. You aren't going to have hardships. And it's like, no, after you suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Peter can say this, even though the reality is some of these people he's writing to might end up being killed because of persecution against Christians. Peter can say this, even though some of the people he's writing to might end up getting ill and dying. Peter can say this, even though some of the people he's writing to might lose their businesses and their livelihood because they decided to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Peter can say this because whatever may come, because God has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, at the end of all time in history, God will make us strong, firm, and steadfast we, are be, we will be the ones that will be here, that will remain. When all other things have passed away, when all other things have faded. We will be the ones who will be standing there with God and Jesus in the midst of all his angels as Satan and all his demons are cast into the lake of fire. Because of the promise of God. Because even though the Christian life is a battle, it has a promised victory. And Jesus said to his disciples, you will have many trials in this world, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus says, I'm sending my disciples into the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, Lord, but I'm asking you to protect them. From the devil. From the evil one. And because we have this assurance. That whatever we may face in this life. God will pull us through. And God will bring us to the promised victory. Then we say. In the same way that Peter says in verse 11. To him be the power forever and ever Amen. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen.
Another thing that uh, Screwtape said to his nephew, Wormwood, um, that I think is very important, it has to do specifically with these words that Peter describes to us about spiritual warfare. He says, resist the devil. Um, resist the devil. It's this. Uh, Screwtape said to, to his uh, nephew, Wormwood, For as things are, your man has now discovered the dangerous truth that these attacks, these demonic attacks, don't last forever. Consequently, you cannot use again what is, after all, our best weapon, the belief of ignorant humans, that there is no hope of getting rid of us except by yielding. What is he saying? He's saying, hey, the guy that you're trying to get to sin, Wormwood, he's discovered the dangerous truth. Um, that these demonic attacks don't last forever. You see, we, we try to get them to believe that they last forever and ever and ever. And that the only way to get rid of them is to give in to it. The only way to get rid of the spiritual warfare, this temptation, is to yield to it. Well, Screwtape said, that is the belief of ignorant humans that is a most powerful weapon. Is that they believe that if I just simply give in to this temptation, it'll go away. If I stop fighting, then I'll have some relief. Well, Peter says here that we're called to be self-controlled, alert, because we have an enemy who's prowling around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour But we're also told that we can resist him by standing firm in what God has taught us in his word, by standing firm in the scriptures, um, and by taking encouragement from this reality that we're not alone, that there are brothers and sisters throughout the world who are undergoing the same kinds of sufferings. And we can know that we have a promised victory, that whatever we may go through in this life, whatever hardship we may face, uh, because the God is the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory in Christ, after we've suffered a little while, he will restore us. The Christian life is a battle, but it's with a promised victory because of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Uh, may you fight the good fight, and uh, may you also see uh, the victory at the end, um, and always be working towards that. Always keep your eyes set on that, that promised victory ahead. Amen. Will you pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you um, that you have not left us powerless in this fight against Satan and our enemy. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would help us in our spiritual warfare to put on the armor of God. uh, That you would help us uh, to be self-controlled and alert, understanding the way our enemy operates and having a battle plan and to resist him, to stand firm in the faith uh, and take encouragement that we are not alone in this battle. And may we also have great comfort in knowing that you are the God of all grace, that you called us to to your eternal glory in Christ, and that even if we suffer in this life, um, you will restore us and make us strong, firm, and steadfast in the next. So we pray to you, and we say, to you be the power forever and ever. Amen.